Well, welcome to our broadcast today on the wonderful words of life. God bless you as we take the next 30 minutes to study the Word of God. We're in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, the very first letter. We'll be in chapter 10 today, and we've been discussing Christian liberty. And Paul is taking three chapters to talk about Christian liberty in comparison with Christian responsibility. But before we get into our study, let's listen to the psalmist. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. And then again, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. Well, praise God. Heavenly Father, we come before you now in the name of Jesus. Father, we lift up the name that is above every name. We thank you, Father, that it is in the name of Jesus that we have victory over the world, over the flesh, and over the devil. And Father, we want to thank you for the word of God today. Lord, the word is our life. It's our light and we thank you, Father, for bringing us the word. Lord, you said that he sent his word and delivered them from all their fears. So, Father, today, as we enter into the word of God, the study of it, that, Lord, that whatever's bothering us is going to just very quietly slip away. And, Father, the peace of God that settles all things, that keeps our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, will become so evident in our life. Amen. Praise God. And Lord, we give you thanks and praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, praise the Lord. All right. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, we are concluding now our exhortation of Paul's letter concerning Christian liberty. And I think that we have realized that along with Christian liberty comes Christian responsibility. And so the Lord does not give us liberty. He does not free us in order for us to be given a license to sin. No, absolutely. We have uh, in the last several chapters going all the way back uh, to the very beginning over and over again, I think we have pretty well established the fact that, yes, you know, we as believers in Christ Jesus, we do have responsibilities. Amen. Listen to what Paul said in our last study in chapter 9. But I keep under my body, and I bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Now, Paul here was not talking about losing his salvation. He was talking about losing his reward. And we don't work for our salvation. Our salvation is a gift. It comes through the grace of God. We receive this wonderful gift by, by faith in Jesus' name. We don't work for our salvation, but we do work for our rewards. And it is in our place in this world to find out that place that God has called us to and get in there and work just as hard and just as fast as we can. Amen. As much as our abilities will allow us to work and to do something with that talent that God has given us so that on that day we stand before him. 
uh, we will receive reward. Now, once again, going way back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, listen to something else that Paul wrote. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he builds thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, that would be the gold, silver, precious jewels, he shall receive a reward. But if any man's work shall be burned, that would be the wood, hay, and stubble, he shall suffer loss, but notice this, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So we see here that we do not work for our salvation. What we work for is rewards. Amen. And if we're faithful, and if we don't abuse our Christian liberty, then on that day that we stand before Lord Jesus, we will receive reward. Amen. Now, Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in the first 14 verses, he gives to us some examples that we uh, should uh, look at and we should learn from concerning the great benefits and the liberty that uh, that God has given to his people. Notice verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now, Luther penned this. He said, and this is one of the, uh, the oldest and one of the most favorite hymns that he penned, What a Mighty Fortress is Our God. And he showed himself mighty to the Israelite nation. Jehovah God delivered them out of Egypt and brought them into the promised land. And notice what else that Paul wrote. He talks about the rock, the rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Think about that. Think about all the tremendous blessings that uh, God had bestowed upon the Israelites. May, the, and the only reason that, uh, that he blessed them is because he chose them. Now, it wasn't the Jews that chose God. It was God that chose the Israelite nation. But now listen to what else he says. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things were for our examples, to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they lusted. That was uh, left lusting after the flesh. Do you remember that? That they were eating manna for all these days, and then they, got, they started to murmur because they wanted flesh to eat. Well, God gave them flesh to eat. But then they also paid for that. Amen. So that was basically what their reward was. Amen. And we're going to receive reward for everything that we've done in our bodies, whether it's good or whether it's bad. 
Now, verse 6, Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. That was talking about the golden calf that they had made. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. That's when they went a-whoring after the Moabites. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. That's when they murmured against God and God sent serpents into the midst and Moses made a brazen serpent, put it on a pole and all the Israelites that looked up at that pole at the brazen serpent were healed. And that's just the type and the shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we'll look to the cross Amen. We will be delivered. Praise God. Amen. Verse 10, Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. That's, I think, talking about Dathan and Abiram. Now, all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the end of the world are come. So we see here that we do have Christian liberty. We do have the tremendous blessings. All spiritual blessings is what uh, Paul wrote to the Ephesian church. Every blessing and benefit, but we can't take these for granted, and we can't use our Christian liberty now to begin uh, to work and act out in the flesh. As a matter of fact, our Christian liberty really is to be used according to the will of God. And then Paul says here, beginning in verse 12, Wherefore, let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. In verse 14, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee idolatry. So basically, Paul is saying here that uh, there's nothing in all of these examples or anything in the world that tempts and tries us that God doesn't give a way out. Amen. Now, that, to me, epitomizes Christian liberty. We don't have to sin. We can walk away from it. Amen. We don't have to act out in the flesh. We can rather uh, follow the Spirit, praise God. And, of course, you know as well as I do, I'm not telling you anything that you don't know, the flesh is weak. But the Spirit is power. And if we'll yield, yield, yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit, He will always, always lead us in the way that we should go. Now, Paul, beginning in verse 15, begins to give us another example. This is an ex- the example of Christ in communion. Notice what he says in verse 15. I speak unto wise men, judge ye what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. Now I want to read you an excerpt from William Barclay's daily Bible study series. This is out of the letters to the Corinthians. And uh, you'll find that if you have a copy, you'll find that in page 101. Listen to what uh, Barclay writes. When sacrifice was offered, in other words, to a pagan god, 
Part of the meat was given back to the worshiper wherewith to hold a feast. Now, at such a feast, it was always held that the god or the deity, whoever that they, pagan uh, god that they were worshiping, himself was a guest. And more than that, it was often held that after the meat had been sacrificed, the god himself entered into the meat. In other words, he was in the food. And that during the banquet, those at the banquet who partook of the food that the deity that was in the meat actually entered into the bodies and the spirits of those worshipers. Amen. That's not a verbatim. That's I kind of paraphrased uh, this excerpt, but uh, it means the same thing. Now, how about when we partake of the bread and body of the Lord Jesus Christ? Isn't that a memorial? Aren't we remembering the bread, his body, and the blood, his sacrifice? And remember what Jesus said. He says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. So when we come to the communion table, we're mindful of the fact that we are remembering. It is a memorial of the covenant that we have uh, through the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this makes communion holy. And this why it is um, absolutely opposed to people who are not believers partaking of communion because, and we're going to find out in the next chapter that when they do that, when they eat unworthily, they eat and drink damnation unto themselves, not discerning uh, the Lord's body. Now let's go on. Verse 18, Behold, Israel after the flesh, are not they which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What say I then, that the idol is anything, or that which is offered to sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. So, if a Christian believes that the pagan gods are real, and he eats meat sacrificed to those gods... And him having a weak conscience, he actually believes that he's partaking of devils. And that's why his conscience is defiled. That's why his faith is defiled. And so if we're eating and we are eating meat that a weak brother sitting across the table from us recognizes that as something that is real, we can't eat it. And that applies to every area of our life. You know, if we if we know that, that the things that we have perfectly liberty in doing will offend another Christian brother, why are we doing them? We shouldn't be. Because the law that we, you and I, are to live by is the law of love. Now listen to what else uh, Paul says. He says this in verse 21. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be a partaker of the Lord's table and the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? And what Paul is saying here is you can't be a partaker of devils by living in the flesh and at the same time be a partaker of Christ. That's impossible. John tells us that. He says, He that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God cannot, will not sin, does not sin. 
In other words, he does not practice sin as a way of life. And so this is very important for us uh, to understand. And what Paul, I think, is doing is he's winding up this argument concerning Christian liberty by giving us examples what happens when we take the things of God for granted and we begin to misuse them, we begin to abuse them. Uh, remember that uh, many in the Old Testament, they died because they took what was given to them as a liberty and they used it as an occasion to sin and it corrupted them, it defiled them. And of course, when we get over into chapter 11, we're going to find out that there's a reason why many in the church are weak and sickly and many have died prematurely. And it has to do with uh, this issue of Christian liberty. And along with Christian liberty comes Christian uh, responsibility. So in verse 24, notice what Paul says, let not man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Part of our Christian responsibility is to edify others. It's not to burden them. It's not to cause them to fall into sin. When Paul said this, let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth, he was talking about their well-being. He was talking about their benefit. So we are, and I know it's an old cliche and it's been used and misused many times, we truly are our brother's keeper. We are one. I mean, if there's one thing that communion has taught us is that we all, when we take the bread and the wine, we all become one in Christ. And if one member hurts, the whole body hurts. So the whole body is concerned about the one member that is hurting. And so we don't want to be the member that causes another brother to stumble and to fall. In verse 25, Paul says this, Whatsoever is sold in the marketplace that eat, asking no questions for conscience sake. Now, you may have a strong conscience in a certain area, and it wouldn't bother you to know whether uh, this thing was, sac- whether the meat was sacrificed to idols or not. But to a weak brother, yes, absolutely. And I think that's what Paul, that's who Paul is talking to. He's talking to those that have a weak conscience that actually believe that the meat that they bought in the marketplace that had been sacrificed to idols was the idol or the devil was actually in that meat and they were committing uh, sin and apostasy by partaking of that meat. I mean, think about it. That's a very serious offense to a person who is of weak conscience. But to others, their conscience is not affected at all by doing things of that nature. But we can't use our liberty to cause another brother to sin. And I guess I'm belaboring that point, but I think it's very, very true that we do that. And then verse uh, 26 says, For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Now, notice what Paul, in writing to Timothy, says. Notice this. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude, for it is sanctified by the means of the word of God and prayer. That's reading after the New American Standard. So what this means is that when we pray over our food, it's sanctified before God. If we do it by faith. Amen. So eating what is prepared becomes acceptable to God 
And also, it salves our conscience if, you know, there's a problem with what we're eating. All right, now, this section, verses 27 through 33, is once again talking about Christian responsibility. But Christian responsibility when we are invited to an unbeliever's house to eat. Notice what Paul says here. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast, and ye be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you eat, asking no questions for conscience' sake. But if any man say unto you, This is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake that showed it, and for conscience' sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other. For what is my liberty? For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? Now, once again, I want to quote uh, Barclay. But if he or the Christian is deliberately informed that the meat is part of a sacrifice, he must not eat it. The assumption is that he is told by one of these brothers who cannot rid his conscience of the feeling that to eat such meat is wrong. Rather than bring trouble and worry to such a man, the Christian must not eat. And also, unbelievers, if you're invited to the house of an unbeliever, they may try to provoke you into doing something that is going to provoke your conscience, that is going to weaken your conscience. And so you have to stand up for principles. I remember reading after a certain pastor was invited to a home, and uh, this was a, a home that made their own wine, and it was an alcoholic type of wine. And uh, the, the preacher found out that it, that's what it was, and he wouldn't drink of it. And he made the host mad, made him angry, made him indignant, but he still wouldn't drink it. Why? Because his conscience was that he was a teetotaler and he was not going to touch alcoholic beverages. And so I say praise God for that. And then verse 30 through 32, notice what Paul says here. For if I by the grace, for if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that which I give thanks? Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. So if we think it's unfair to be judged by others concerning our Christian liberty, by those who are weak in faith, we have to remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, I, I have not come to be served, but to serve. And this is your responsibility. This is my responsibility. This is part of our ministry in this world. We are called to serve. In love, that's what Paul said, in love, serve one another. And then Paul says this in verse 32, give none offense neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. These are the three people groups that are in the world, that are in the world that you and I are going to uh, come in contact with. And see, we are not to use our Christian liberty to offend any of these people groups. I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about Christians. I'm talking about unchristians. I'm talking about Jews. We are not to live or do things that would offend them. So we are called on behalf of Christians to edify one another. And on behalf of the Jews and the Greeks, we're called to be a witness 
to them so that they would be born again. And so here we come to the last verse. Notice what Paul says. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they might be saved. And going back to what Paul wrote in the last chapter, notice, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all that I might win the more. And to the Jews, I became as a Jew that I might win Jews to those who are under the law as under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I may by all means save some. And I do all things for the sake of the gospel, that I may become a fellow partaker of it, or witness to them of the love and the mercy of Christ. So that's why we use our Christian liberty and we we use it in a responsible way so that we do not offend other people, but that we encourage them, we edify them, and we are a positive witness uh, to them so that their hearts would be open to receive the gospel. And then I want to close with the first verse of chapter 11. Notice what Paul says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. So Paul is admonishing the Corinthians to follow his sensible advice and believers' responsibility concerning their liberty in Christ, especially when it comes with dealing with others concerning salvation or just being a witness to them. And I think that's good advice for us also. Heavenly Father, we come before you now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your word, Lord. Father, we take your word, we put it into practice immediately, Lord, so that we might learn how to follow you and how to grow in the things of God. And so, Father, we give you all the praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.